Hey there, beautiful souls. I'm Colleen Lockoff. And I'm Meredith Lockoff. And welcome to Spiritual Sisters with Sass, the podcast where two sisters with a passion for spirituality and a touch of sass come together to explore the exciting world of self-improvement. That's right, Colleen. We embarked on this incredible journey together, diving into different self-improvement techniques, yoga practices, and a whole array of life experiences. Yeah, and through it all, we've managed to create lives that are abundant, happy and constantly evolving. It's been a wild ride, hasn't it, Meredy? You bet, sis. We've got two very different perspectives on life, but that's what makes this podcast so special. I'm all about diving in head first into life's adventures and embracing every challenge with a bit of sass. Well, Colleen here, she's got her own unique approach. Yep, that's me. And I'm all about the yoga, mindfulness, and finding my zen. And together we make the perfect balance. So whether you're looking for some wisdom, a few laughs, or just some heartfelt stories, you're in the right place. We're here to share our personal experiences and insights with you, all while exploring the wild and diverse world of self-improvement. Grab your headphones and get ready for a fantastic journey with us. Spiritual Sisters with Sass is here to uplift, inspire, and keep it real. Thanks for tuning in, lovely listeners. Let's dive in spirit and sass. Here we go. All right, friends. So welcome to this week's version of our podcast, Spiritual Sisters with Sass. Today, we are talking about, we're building on what we talked about last week around um, attachment styles, and we're diving into making or building agreements, um, more specifically with one's partner, but this can be like overall, as Meredith's going to share examples of agreements that she made with her son. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Um, yeah. Can I just say one thing? Is anybody watching the um, season six Love is Blind? Have you started watching it yet? I'm already okay. like. Okay. I can't even think of her name right now. Um, but since we talked last week and because I've been so like in depth with these attachment styles, are you caught up with it? Yeah. I'm not going to give anything away here, you guys. I promise. I'm just going to ask a question so you don't have to turn it off. Um, did you notice the major anxious attachment style of the one girl. Like as soon as they went to um, Punta Cana, immediately she started the first night they were together. And I was just like, yo, look at your anxious attachment style. And then yesterday I watched the sixth episode and I was like, holy, look at what an anxious attachment style can do. Like it could ruin this relationship for them. And even in the previews that they give you, where someone is yelling, you fucked her. Like, wow, this is what an, an anxious attachment style can do and how it can ruin a relationship. So if you're curious as to how that can be affecting you and your relationships, I go watch the show, you guys. Even if you skip everything and go to episode five and six, 
Jesus Christ, this one woman has a very anxious attachment style and I promise you it is going to ruin their relationship. Well, I can't promise you that, but he he is pretty in love with her. But wow, I just had to put that out there because the whole time I was watching it, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, it was, yeah, and he seems rather secure. Yeah. So maybe he can handle it because he's like, well, I just thought we were so secure and everything, it was fine. Yes. Yes. What I thought was also very interesting was was her choice of language, which is, I, I mean, I, I can't stand it when someone says, you know, you made me feel. Yeah. It's like, take some fucking responsibility for your own feelings. It's amazing you know? the, what happens when you're not aware, though, because she can't take responsibility for what she doesn't even know she's doing. Fair. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. okay. So let's get into the agreements. I just had to bring that up because watching it, and how aware I am of the whole attachment thing right now. It just is like, boom, wow. Seeing yeah. it on the show was just really interesting. Fair. Yeah. So, I mean, what would help them a lot, actually, <laughs> is making some agreements. Agreed. Um, this is something I do with pretty much all of my clients um, because it really, making agreements is around boundaries. And we started talking about that last session is like making boundaries and what I've recognized is that most people when they start making boundaries they actually they're not really making boundaries they're being dictators right it's like don't don't ever do this again and it's like and that's my boundary and it's like we, actually we seem to go from like this one far end to this other end and then try to find our way back to a middle and that's where you just have to be aware. Oh shit. I'm going way over here. I need to come back to the middle somewhere. Cause I'm no one's boss. Right. So have you ever been in a relationship where you get in a fight with someone and then you kind of like talk it out. You, you feel really great when you're done. And then the next thing, you know, when you're in a fight again, you're fighting again about the same fucking shit. Oh my God. Like every relationship I've ever been in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's because you're lacking agreements, right? A lot of the time- Accountability, right? Well, Personal we, accountability we, because we don't have anything written down or agreed upon long-term. Right. And then you fight, people will fight, not you, but people will fight. And then they won't actually come up with any kind of agreement. They'll just kind of spout their feelings off and then never really come to a solution. That's why, again, you're revisiting a fight later. This is that apology without action is manipulation. Right. Because I'm sorry I did it again. And then, and actually I'm watching Suits and it's funny this came up is because one of the things in that right now is Lewis goes and is like, I, I promise I'll never do it again. And Dr. Lipschitz says, you can't make that promise though. That's not fair. What are you going to do when you break that promise? Well, I'll go and promise her that I won't do it again. And he said, that's manipulation. You're making right. your promises you can't keep. So you need to instead say, I apologize and then start taking action on how you can change that. Right. Something that I see consistently is that what happens in relationship is we bring expectations into relationship yes. as opposed to making agreements. And so one of the first things that I offer my clients is a, a recording by Steve Chandler that is specific to um, 
is specific to looking at our expectations as opposed to our agreements. So when I get in a relationship with someone, I expect them to be monogamous. But did we ever have that conversation? And did we ever dive into like, okay, great. So, okay, we agree we're monogamous. Like yeah. if you cheat on me, Exclusive. then I will- Yes, I will leave and that's it. Well, what you maybe never talked about was like, what else is going to be upsetting? Like, okay, sure. So what does monogamy mean to you? Right? I can see. Oh, there we go. There she is. So what does monogamy mean to someone? Because monogamy means different things. So in I think of a relationship I was in a while ago that is probably my longest that is my longest relationship and though I'm not I'm not sure if the person ever slept with anybody else specifically but I know what he did do that I would define as not being monogamous is having these emotional relationships with several fucking dozen different women in which I would have a feeling of being jealous or I would have a feeling that something more was going on. And because also I expected him to be honest and he wasn't, and we never even had those communications around it. Um, it was just a constant fight about again, oh, there was this woman in our bedroom. Like, that's just okay. You just have this person in our bedroom and you're having a conversation. And then I remember even in this specific, this specific situation, he said, oh yeah, I know. But she like asked, like, is it okay that I'm in here? I'm like, oh, so what you're telling me is that she herself felt uncomfortable about it. Yet you guys decided to have a conversation in our fucking bedroom when there's a living room, a kitchen, a porch outside, the kids' bedrooms, like the there's whole so house, the whole that's fucking not house. Personal. That's not yeah. our bedroom. Inappropriate. That was my expectation, though. There was never an agreement set up around what that looks like. Fair, fair. So, but also, not- like, the, mm-hmm. this is where that expectation comes in. Is we think. Okay, but this should just be a given, except no one can read your mind. That's an expectation. Exactly. We're we're setting up our relationship based on expectations, but never making agreements on it. Yeah, we've never communicated it. It's just what I think you should do. Right. And maybe their life didn't dictate the same things that you think should be done. Right. In our relationship, the current one that I'm in, I actually won't move into relationship until we've made agreements. The reason that I found this out was my previous relationship prior to this one was um, that we had not made agreements and my partner was now doing things that I was very upset with. And I remember for the first time, I just, I left my phone at, it wasn't home, but it was where I was staying. And I went out with my daughter and and my, my husband's girlfriend. <laughs> As weird as that comes with the agreement. So we weren't together anymore. And I left my phone at home so that I wouldn't be on it the whole time, like in an argument with this person, because I felt that the way that they were behaving was inappropriate, but we had never made agreements around that. So what I said was, listen, I'm upset about something we haven't even communicated about. And therefore I just need some time um, I'm I'm not moving forward until we've sat down and made agreements. And we sat down that Saturday, which was probably a few days later. 
and spent five hours creating our relationship agreements. Because when it looked like, okay, we're monogamous, which is what this person wanted, um, what it meant to me to be monogamous was, so the situation that upset me was, um, this person was lying to me. I had gone out there and I had visited with them. This is like when I was in Nevada City. I had gone out there, I had visited with them. They had a friend that I knew there was a deeper connection with. They had hung out. It had been a date, not a hangout. And then when I came to visit my partner, I had said, listen, like if this person's really important to you, I want to meet them. If, if we don't meet, then I think it's not important enough to you to keep that friendship. So Fair. I was there for a month. I never met this person. I left the day I left. I got on a fucking airplane. The person went back, went to work that night, left, went to hang out with this person. There was no um, cell service where they were. So I had no idea where this person was. I had no idea who this person was with, even though I imagined. And then when they came home that night and were messaging me, I was like, where have you been? And they were with this person. And so to me, it felt like, what? Deceitful. Deceitful, dishonest. What is monogamy? And so in my current relationship, I had said, listen, monogamy to me, I didn't want to be monogamous, I think a lot because I was just worried that no one will actually like commit to being monogamous. Yeah. Instead, I'll be monogamous and they'll be fucking around. So Fair. what I said was he said he wanted to be monogamous. And I said, well, what does that mean to you? In monogamy, um, for me, means that we're having sex only with each other, but it also means that anyone that you are interested in, have been dating, have other feelings for, are not going to be regularly in your life. Otherwise, we're going to have this conversation first. I'm going to meet them, and we're going to see like what the guidelines of that looks like of having this special interest in your life while we are, what does the communication with this person look like? What I love, and I've thought about this over and over again, and it just puts my nervous system and my heart at rest, is he said, there's no one. There's no one that I am interested in. There's no one that I've been talking with because when he had broken up with his previous girlfriend, he decided to take some time and there were, he had cut off all communication with anyone that was beyond like a friendship. And so I, I just haven't had to deal with that at all. I don't have to worry about him like sneaking around talking about things with people or what they're talking about or who he's talking to, which means that if someone did pop in, that's a conversation we need to have. Yeah. Right. For me, I would add into that monogamy, it would be um, also that I would, if there is a deeper than platonic emotional connection, to me, that's also considered cheating. If you're trying to get something that I can't give you or that you, you a need you're not having met by me from someone else, you're no longer in monogamy. So... If you are interested in pursuing something deeper, whether it be friendship or more than with some person of the opposite sex and or same sex, then we're going to have a conversation around that. 
So then I know if someone new comes into his life, we're going to have a conversation, even if it's friendship. Yeah. And can I tell you like how at ease that puts me because that was not the situation with any of my previous partners. There was always shady shit going on. And the definer by all three of these people is that they didn't have sex with the other person. Therefore, they were monogamous. I find emotional cheating is almost worse than physical cheating because you're actually taking away from what we have connection wise to have like to have a physical it, for me, no matter what, having that, that's still cheating. But I feel like that was, that's almost easier in the experiences that I've had because I've been cheated on a few times. I have not cheated. Um, in that experience, the physical was easier to move past than the emotional. The more effort that they put into this, the harder it is for me to get over it. Because that effort that you're putting into someone else or somewhere else could have been put into our relationship to fix the problem. Right. I'm the type of person that if I'm suddenly interested in someone else, I need to leave the relationship I'm in or I need to go fix it. One of the two. I have to make a decision now because clearly where I am isn't working for me. I love this because we started having this communication around like my partner and I, my current partner and I, when making our relationship agreement, started having a conversation around what's inappropriate and what's appropriate. And he said, like, there's no one else right now that I'm communicating with. So anyone new, I think, would be inappropriate if we don't have a conversation around it. <sighs> I agree 100%, including with me. Like I said, listen, like I have this friend, this person, and I want you to meet them because they're important to me. Listen, I have this ex-boyfriend that is a, like a, a friend of mine, my best yeah. friend. Like what, how do you feel about this? And I mean, a lot of those things just worked out. Yeah. As soon as my best friend found out I had a partner and didn't want to talk to me anymore. Actually, yep. same thing happened with him. He had a best friend for since they were kids and the minute we got together she literally stopped talking to him literally so it was like boom okay well obviously there was something else there which he had said like that's so weird and it hadn't happened with anybody else but as soon as it was you that person just stopped talking to me so I mean this is really great because that was one of our agreements so yeah. if we look at like how do we make the agreements and the fact that agreements are constantly revisited. Uh, yes, I was just going to say, and the piece of it for me is, though we're making these agreements, we can change the agreements as we move forward and see more things. So right. first of all, I want to know, though, when you say in the process of making the agreements, what would you recommend people do to figure out what steps? Like, how do I know what I want in these agreements? Right. Because really, the only thing I know for sure is what I don't want. <laughs> yes. Great. Perfect. And, and okay, let's go there first, though. How do I know for sure what I don't want? Because, for example, like me, I haven't been in an actual relationship. Like, I'll, I'll, like I've been single for almost four years now. So how do I go into that and try and figure out what I want in a relationship agreement when I don't even know what I don't want? in that relationship. Right. I love this because it's quite helpful first and foremost to make a list. So what's really important to you and what are you looking for in a partner? 
So okay. then make that list, write it down. Now, one of the things I have window. a client, exactly. <laughs> I was thinking about that and I have a client, the same thing. I mean, she's already in partnership. So I said, what do you want in a partner? So I had her write it down. And then we went through the list and she said, you know, I want a partner that doesn't drink or smoke. You and told said, us okay. this, right? I was like, great. Yeah. So you don't drink or smoke. And she's like, well, I mean, lately I have been drinking and smoking. I'm like, okay, so how can that be an agreement if you also drink and smoke? All right, next, like, what's the next thing? And then she said, all these things. So this whole list was actually like, when we looked at it, she didn't do any of those things. So how are you going to make agreements with someone when you're going to say that they don't drink they, or smoke, but you are? Yeah, you right? can't do these things, but I can. Right? That's not an agreement because it's about personal responsibility. And I mean, a part of what she said was, well, if he didn't, then I wouldn't. It's like, mm -mm -mm. keep your side of the street clean. And this is where you start now. What, what If you want this in a person, now become the person that you want. Yeah. And then make your agreements from that space. And since they can't wait, I mean, that means then we need to be looking at these agreements more specifically. Like if you don't want someone that drinks or smokes and you drink or smoke, what's the agreement going to be around there? Like you can't. So when you start talking this over, do you see how ridiculous that sounds? Yeah. Right? So then what's the yeah. agreement? And so then that's where two people so can communicate. Okay. And so in that, my question then becomes when we're writing the agreements, I love this, actually, this totally leads into something else. I can write the things that I also agree to really that I feel like that's more what these agreements are is what I'm agreeing to do with you, not about what you're agreeing to do with me per se. So for me, like that part, let's just go with the drinking and smoking. So what I'm in my part of the agreement would be, I'm not going to drink or smoke. And that's where I would stop because she drinks and smokes. So I don't want to drink and smoke. I would like my partner to do the same. Is that something you can agree to? Not, hey, I need you to not drink or smoke, but I'm going to anyways. Right. Yeah. So that is that you create your list and then they create their list and then you come together. So clearly drinking and smoking is a thing for her. So yeah. like you just said, what is your agreement around drinking and smoking? And then how can you come together on that? Because clearly you can't tell someone else they can't drink or smoke. So yeah. it starts by creating the list of what you want and or what you don't want. And then you have to be like 100% clear on, on you. Exactly. I gotta look Yours. at me first. Exactly. Am I doing the things I'm asking you for first? And the only way I can then ask you for them is if I am then doing those things. Right. What, my number one agreement with my current partner is that as long as you're trying, I'm trying. That's it. This is how the relationship goes. So what does that look like? Because I could say you're not trying, but you could say that you are trying and then list all the ways that you are trying that maybe I didn't see. And this is how we work our, out our agreements. When so we come that, that leads me to another question for you though, mm -hmm. because there's times they say like you want to give a hundred percent. They don't, it's not 50, 50, it's a hundred, a hundred. 
So for you in that agreement, do you guys have it written out specifically that like when he can only give 25%, you'll be giving 175%. Yeah. Okay. Cause that yeah. feels like something that needs to be put into any agreement that we have is yeah. As long as you're trying, I'm trying, well, what if the days that they can't try, cause they don't have anything left. You still need to try. So is there like written in your guys' agreement specific amounts of time that you guys go before you talk about, okay, you haven't been putting into this relationship, even though you, you've been putting in this much and I've been putting in this much, is there a specific amount of time you, before you have conversations around that? I mean, that, that's a great question because not really, but at the same time, it hasn't even been an issue. So if I think he's not trying, and then we have a conversation around that, what he brings to the table is showing me where he is trying, where maybe I haven't been seeing that. The fact that our communication also has to be open and honest and that we try to see things from each other's point of view is very helpful. So it it's not just like cut and dry. And sometimes I think, well, like, okay, like he's not even trying and then he'll come at like, come at it like, hey, you know what? Maybe I was grumpy in this moment and I apologize if I said something that was hurtful. And then I'm like, that that was all I needed. So it makes me come to like this place of like, okay, so say for example, like, because I love this agreement. I'll put in as much as you're putting in kind of, is kind of what you're saying. Like I'll meet the energy you're bringing. That being said, I feel like there should be some kind of time in there. So like, if I don't, if I notice more than 24 hours, because we all have days, sometimes we even have weeks where we just suck as a human being where, you know, if, if I'm not at my best self, you can ask me about that. Or if you don't feel like I'm, you know, like something in there that allows you to, but I feel like that's part of the communication around the agreement. Right. For sure. So that is one of the agreements is like, when we look at communication, how are we going to do this? Because my partner's bipolar. So one of the things is that means that there's a lot of ups and downs. Now he's that are not in his control, right? He specifically cycles quickly, which I'm super excited about because a slow cycle cycler means that we're going to have lots of really high manic days. And then we're going to have lots of really low, low days. And I think that would be a little bit more difficult for me to navigate. So one of the things that one of the agreements also is lifestyle right? To me, it's important that I'm not with someone that's lazy. And with my current partner, I'm the most active person he's ever been with. So I'm training for a marathon. I mean, my food is like, I'm so, he calls me militant. I'm really specific about getting exercise complete and then eating a really healthy diet. I don't have a bunch of junk food in my house because first of all, I'll eat it. And the thing is, yep. so will he. Yep. Period. So it's I think anybody, helpful. right? Anybody don't have it in your house if you don't want to eat it because you're going to eat it. Right. And he brought that up the other day. I mean, so we both just had influenza and it kicked his ass and it did, it, it kicked my ass, but definitely not as bad. So he basically didn't eat for a week. He had some like applesauce, some pear sauce, literally like some gelatin, like basically nothing for a whole week now we i've i've become aware of his addictions and his habits very clearly so now that he's feeling better i know what the propensity is he didn't eat anything that was a down 
So now he's going to fucking eat a whole bunch. And this is a problem because when he eats, to me, there's this pillar, right? If you've seen the documentary Stuts or not, there's a pillar of mental health and physical well-being. And that pillar is number one, that you get enough sleep. Number two, that you eat a healthy diet. And number three, that you have physical exercise as part of your daily routine. So yep. I know specifically for my partner, he needs to have these three and these are constantly out of fucking balance. When yep. he was sick, he wasn't eating, he was not sleeping and he was not doing any exercise at all. So then the mental health started going downhill. He told me, babe, I'm starting to see things like I need sleep. I need, I'm going to double up on my pills. I'm going to do these things. But then I know now we had this down. So there's going to be this opposite of unhealthy behaviors of oversleeping, still not physically exercising and now overeating, which is not helpful either. It's just the opposite of this, like of the minus now in the plus and it fucks everything up. So part of our agreements is lifestyle. And we've agreed that um, exercise is very important. Exercise for him is not as important. He'll sit at this computer and, and like, and and eat and not necessarily do things and for me that's really unhealthy so i for everybody it's really unhealthy there i exercise every day and um and i never really sit still like i'm constantly going i'll be doing the yard i'll be doing the house i'll be doing this i'll be doing that and i mean he's good to just sit for 24 straight hours so he has agreed to exercise in the form of walking minimum three times per week when he's not doing that we have to have a conversation around it why we have a conversation around that is because specifically i know that it's going to affect him this is going to be a problem for us and when it affects him it's then going to affect you and your relationship yes now i'm training for a marathon so accountability wise i mean like if he doesn't get up and go walking with me i get up and i go anyways i don't it's it's the the accountability piece is for his mental health because if he's not healthy then there's going to be a problem in our relationship because he's not doing the things to be healthy right really key for me so then food is another piece so what number three that i put down is lifestyle number one exercise number two food and then number three addictions because we've already even you know communicated about this on our podcast the fact that you know he does his thing and that i've basically eliminated all the things yeah all my addictions have come to a place of being like actually pretty healthy sometimes almost to the opposite to the fact where like I used to work sometimes 20 plus hours per day on this fucking computer and then now sometimes I just I'm I want to play god of war (laughs) like I don't want (laughs) to work and I know that I have to because that's an important part so within the lifestyle we've defined clearly exercise wise he said he's going to work out three times a week in some form minimum taking a walk food I will not have junk food in my house sure I'm a normal person I like to eat chips I like to drink coke I like to you know have these times where my diet isn't perfect but that's not going to be every day because I find that to be a slippery slope 
And yeah. when it's time to like eat dinner and there's some Mr. Noodles sitting there, or I need to cook chicken, rice, and vegetables, you know, this is an easy default, especially if I'm working. Yeah. So he said, we need snacks the other day. And I was like, no, we do not. And yes, they do, not. but they can be healthy ones. Right, right. And they're not coming in the house. And he's like, oh, I need to catch up on, on not eating for a week. And I said, no, you don't. Period. He doesn't. He doesn't need to make up for a week of not eating. You cannot eat for three fucking weeks. Right. Yeah. So yeah. it's this mentality and this conversation that we need to have where I know we could really quickly and have had serious issues around these pillars that he calls me militant on. And I need to be militant because if not, I'll just eat. I won't get and do. I mean, I've always... been on the opposite side of it. And exactly. if you're not militant about it, you'll end up back where you were. Exactly. And I'm going to say it's not militant. It's called discipline. I, it's the same as when it comes to me, there's a certain level, like, like when it comes to business, when it comes to like, I'm heading into one of my busiest seasons, I am going to be working 10 plus hours a day. But on top of that, I have hired a personal and business coach. I have a fitness coach. I am taking yoga teacher training with a specific business and addictions um, curriculum. And I need to get all of these things done within a timely manner while also in my busiest season. So if I'm not disciplined, I'm not going to do the things. I don't rely on motivation because it's a feeling. It comes, it goes. So my fitness is five days a week. It's not three. And I find that the reason I do five days a week is because if I'm consistent in my routine, that routine works better for me. So that's why I'm five days a week. Um, sometimes, you know, like last week I couldn't do Friday, this, this rib just has caused me nothing but problems. So Friday, I didn't go. I went back on Monday. So I make sure that I do the things out of discipline because I know the things that work in my life and the things that don't. And if I stay not going to the gym too much, I turn, get cranky. Like there's the saying on my wall. It says, I go to the gym. That one right there. It says, I go to the gym because punching people is frowned upon. <laughs> I go to the gym because literally I will be an asshole if I don't. So I need those things for me and my mental health. And I know I understand why you do them. And I wouldn't call it militant. I would call it disciplined. Fair. Because being disciplined means there's a boundary that you follow to make sure that things get done the way they need to get done in order for the rest of the things to fall into place. And right? I mean, this is a thing. If it's not happening, then we need to have a conversation around it. And I mean, sure, I this is it's it's important, right, to have an active lifestyle in my life. And when I go on vacation, I don't necessarily want to be sitting around at an all-inclusive, eating shitty food and drinking a bunch of booze. To me, it's important that when I go out, we're doing something like hiking seeing sites or there's a little more intention to what I'm doing as a vacation rather than not to me it's important to be active and therefore well, and see even that if you want to take a vacation and do nothing during that vacation that's a week where you're taking a complete vacation I don't mind being in an all-inclusive doing nothing I don't drink when I'm there but I don't mind doing nothing during that time but also you get bored doing nothing after a certain amount of time I definitely so it really, do. I think there's a balance there that you can find, 
but you got to make sure that the discipline is followed the rest of the time. And it's, I mean, I think that, I mean, like right now, if you got with someone, you would want to be with someone who likes to go to the gym. Uh Uh-huh. Right? Like that's a way that you guys can be together and lifestyle is very important for you in the way that the person shows up in their own physical body, their own personal practice and all of those things. So, well, and if, and when it comes to that gym piece of it too, where people are like, oh, you just want a guy who's big and buff. No, going to the gym shows a level of discipline that I need from someone in my life. I have a level of discipline because I'm an entrepreneur. I don't have a choice. I have to have discipline. Otherwise I would never work. So for me, having someone who has this level of discipline, it shows their commitment to themselves. It shows that they're disciplined and motivated. It shows like, it just shows a different level of certain things inside someone that they're not necessarily going to show on the outside. And I think it's okay if you take care of your body to have somebody that also takes care of their body to be physically attracted to your partner. Agreed. And knowing that like someone, yeah, doesn't. So that's one of the agreements is lifestyle, being clear on what exercise looks like, being clear on what food looks like and being clear on different addictions. And to me, addictions are, are, are anything like running can be an addiction. Yep. Um, you know, how do, does somebody drink? Does somebody work a lot? Does somebody like have a sex addiction? I mean, this is important. I have a sex addiction. So when often like historically, if things start to get emotional, I'll default to sex. I'll be like, let's just skip this part. And then, uh-huh. you know, and, and it's important that I say that so that the person knows like, what's going on here? As well as when you're trying to avoid feelings yeah. because things feel shitty, you'd be like, let's just have sex yeah. because that's your quick fix on fixing that emotion. And if he didn't know about it, he'd just be like, oh, we're just having sex all the time. Yeah. But for him yeah. to be able to say to you, whoa, I see that you're struggling with some shit here. So let's talk about that because there's no sex for you until we do. And not as a, not as a, let me control you, but as a, you told me this is something that you need in your life. So let's talk about what, what's happening here. Right. Right. How do you deal with, I feel like that's a major part in it. How do you deal with any of the shitty things in your life? And how do we move through that? Because for you, yours is, is your addiction is typically sex or work Yep. right now. Cause those are the only addictions you still have yep. that you don't want to. Um, for me, I would say work is definitely the one thing but I'm really learning to sit in it. And I can't say that sex has ever really been it for me because I'm a talker. I need to work through my emotions, right? So it's a little different for me, but for them to be aware or us to be aware of each other's addictions and how we default when we're not feeling good. Right. And so that comes like what I put down for number one is communication. Question mark, like how do you deal with fights? And then what are your trauma responses? Because one of the things that is going to happen when you're in a fight or an argument or a disagreement is that both people are going to revert back to their trauma responses, especially if they're not emotionally intelligent. To be honest, it's even when you're emotionally intelligent, (laughs) because hi, I'm going to say communication is my superpower and I still go into trauma response. Right. 
So being clear on that. So what does that mean? Well, for, I mean, we did a whole session on it last time is like, what's your attachment style? So as mm -hmm. we started to look at that and recognize that, well, then now we can see that specifically for me, I'm anxious avoidant. So immediately I'll move into like, oh my God, we have to talk right now and incessantly follow someone around. Like we need to talk, we need to talk, we need to talk, we need to talk, <laughs> which actually for my partner is rather triggering for him. And so then and he will go into away. his avoidance and be yeah. like, get angry and say mean things. And so then, which I then become more anxious. Notice I'm not saying that makes me more anxious. I become more anxious. And so then I'll get a little more like this and he'll get a little more like that. And it's not very helpful. So to be aware of our trauma responses, we'll have a conversation around this. We got into a fight where he called me a name and that really upset me. And so when we were out of our trauma responses and able to communicate about it, I said, you said this and it upset me. And he said, I I am sorry that I said that. I'm sorry that I upset you. Like what would be really helpful is when we get into a state like that and you start saying, we need to talk. And I say, I need some space that you give me that space. So yeah. we have looked at two agreements, even as we get to know each other more in our communication in which he will ask for space and I will grant him space. And that I am able to sit, we already know you and I talked about it that one day that I was having a really hard time and called you. You said, what does it matter if you talk now or in fucking 10 hours? What you're trying to do is fix the problem because you're so anxious in it that you don't want to sit in your feelings. Yeah. So I'm bypassing my own emotion by trying to fix the thing, but it's actually just creating more trauma. And so, it's so interesting because for me, this brings up the fact that like, that's going to be a big time. Like, you know, this about me. One of the things that you won't catch me saying is mean things about other people, especially when I'm angry. I just don't do it. I don't tell you, I don't call you names. Typically I don't pull out your, 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 your um, deepest seated darkness. I don't do things that are going to hurt you because I don't want to be hurt that way. And because that's how everyone has hit me or how I've felt that everyone has hit me in my, when I'm hurt, they hit me in the deepest parts of myself. Right. And the shitty part about that is once the word is spoken, it can never be taken back. Whether it is meant or not, apology doesn't change the fact that you just threw the plate on the ground and it broke. Say sorry to it. It's still in 15 pieces. So for me, you won't hear me ever say those things. And I can say you won't ever hear me say those things because I've been through some shit where I literally have been like, nope, I want to say some nasty shit to you. So I'm shutting the fuck up. And then my kid will tell you, you give me the silent treatment. And I'm like, I literally had to sit them both down and be like, I don't give you the silent treatment. I'm giving myself the silent treatment because if I open my fucking mouth right now, I'm going to say things that I'm going to regret and that don't mean anything to you. So you won't hear me say it, which is really interesting because I didn't realize it, but that's definitely going to be one of my agreements. And you know this about my last, the guy I just dated. That's the thing that he did the most. Attack me with my biggest insecurities. Right when he was hurt well i'm never going to do that to you and i would like it in my agreements that i it's never done to me don't say things you don't mean because you can't take it back and now that word and that thought that you think about me is forever going to go through my head and it won't go away 
So communication, how you fight, what your trauma responses are, very important to come up with agreements. And then as these situations start to, I mean, this fight I'm speaking about just happened at the end of January. And so as we're driving home and we are better and out of it, then we're able to speak like adults and come up with an agreement around how we're going to deal with these situations in communication. Yes. So next is finances, because if we're not fighting about that, (laughs) then we're fighting about money. So being clear about what finances look like for both of you, are you going to be joint? Are you going to be separate? Who's paying for what? Um, How does that look? Because it's something that a lot of people don't talk about, and then they get together. And what happens if there is financial stress on one person and not the other? So mm-hmm. I like how you were talking about like if we both have a hundred percent, yet someone's only operating at twenty-five, that means the other person is operating at 175. That was full on an agreement for each other. We have each other's backs. And so that included in our finances. Mm-hmm. Well, and that brings for me, um, uh, Dr. Phil used to always say the three main reasons for divorce, sex, money and in-laws. So I feel like those should be three agreements that you also make like sex being an important conversation to have, because what is your expectation of sex from them? And what is theirs of you? And are they realistic? Can they fit into what your daily life looks like? And not even talking about scheduling it, but is it realistic for you both to have the requirement? Now I'm saying required sexual chemistry, not just the, well, I want it seven days a week, three times a day. Right. But in fact, what can we make work financial and the same thing you just said, as well as in-laws are going to be something that I, I, it was a major fight in my marriage. Like that was probably one of the main reasons that we ended up splitting up in the end was because of that. Now the financial piece for me, when you got, when you were saying that I like to spend money, I also like to make money and I'm good at making money. So I don't know what that will look like in a future relationship. Will we ever put our money together? Because having someone who's telling me how much I can spend or an agreement even around how much I can spend, I mean, in that you go talk to the person and say, hey, like, this is what I want to go buy. But I've been financially independent for 20 plus years. How do I move into that? Again, also like, is there a prenup involved here for me? Those types of things, right? Those are agreements. And I mean, even as I look at the agreements here, finances, we have our own finances. We share expenses. We consult on big purchases and we have each other's backs. That's the agreement that we came up around finances. We decided to keep things separate and... And when one person isn't able to fully cover, the other person will back them up. So that really does come down to that 200% has to be balanced somehow, basically. And I love that. So that's what I wrote down. Um, I, I put it down like specifically number one, communication, number two, finances, number three, lifestyle, number four, relationships with others, with the opposite sex, what that looks like. Um, and then number five, commitment. So there's lots more, you know, within our agreements, um, we also included the fact that we put ourselves first in our healing, self-development, self-care and hobbies. We're independent and sovereign beings that are choosing to be in relationship together. We have to take care of ourselves in order to take care of each other. 
And so sometimes when that, that means like taking space. Yeah. Being independent. Yes. Because sometimes within codependent relationship, taking space can be seen as like a direct, like violation. Um, yeah, it's really yeah. important that you need space to be able to take care of whatever it is that you need to take care of for self in order to show up more fully in your relationship. A thousand percent time with and your then, girlfriends to go either vent or brag or whatever it is. Right. Yes. And I love that. Now, that being said, I also have my agreements written right. with my son yeah. because I want to say September, we had an agreement. He was moving out. He was moving out of my property, out of my house. He was going off on his own when he came to me and said, hey, I need to stay a little longer. And I was like, no, the agreement was that you're getting out because you need to become independent. And he came to me and was like, his reasons were valid. He said, I want to be able to save for a house. And I'm never going to do that because the houses here are ridiculous. And our kids will never be able to afford them if they're out paying rent. And I understand all of those things, but that doesn't make it my responsibility. And that's what I said to him. So then you suggested you guys need to write out the agreements as to what it looks like. And so there were certain priorities I felt he was not putting in place that I was just pushed off to the side because I wasn't that important. And I was like, this is enough. So uh, here's what I need from you. If you would like to, um, if you would like to be part of this, I would like for you to, and then I started listing them and then I asked him if he agreed to them. So ours was that rent and food. So they're two separate things and there's two separate amounts are due on the first or sorry, we changed it are on the 15th because of the way his paycheck falls. So they were due on the 15th of the month. He paid up extra so that we could get the first of the 15th paid so that he could go the 15th to the 15th. So rent and food are paid on the first paycheck of the month, no later than the 15th. Food part two, because he pays two weeks of food and then two weeks of food. And he's paid bi-weekly, which is why we set this up this way. The second part of his food is due on his second paycheck of the month. If he gets an extra paycheck, that's up to him. He needs to look at how that falls. Does it come on the 15th? Does he still get to pay me? Because that may be a whole paycheck he keeps to himself. Okay, so we did that. The other one is clean up after yourself. If you're using the kitchen, laundry, bathroom, you need to clean up after yourself within one hour of you doing so. Because, and he's not doing that yet today. He left, it's day two of a piece sitting in the sink. And normally I'll bitch at him, but then I need the thing by like six o'clock. So I'll wash it and then bitch at him again. Today, I sent him a text and said, we have agreements. You are not living up to your agreements and you're not even working. So I need you to step the fuck up. He literally, I know this kid, he's going to walk in, he's going to do his part. And then he's going to be like, okay, I did it. And I'm sorry. Number four is mom should not suffer because I'm here. He is no longer my responsibility at 22 next month. So I shouldn't have to suffer or be uncomfortable or miserable in my own home because he's part of it. Number five is he's going to help mom with man chores or outside chores within 48 hours of asking unless otherwise agreed. Now, this comes down to he's a procrastinator. He has severe ADHD, so he gets distracted by a million other things. And then if he doesn't do it right away, he forgets, which is I understand that part because I'm the same way in the sense that if I don't do it now, I'm not going to do it. So he has 48 hours to get whatever I've asked to get done. In that, we adjusted that agreement after a little while. I can remind him, in fact, need to remind him a few times. 
for him, he needs to make sure to help me with these chores. Now, these man chores, uh, an example is when um, Lynn and I bought a truck, it came with an extra set of tires. When we put the tires in the shed, those tires went on top of my winter tires. So for me to get my winter tires out this year, I did ask him. We did go past the 48 hours, but it says unless otherwise agreed. We agreed outside of that. And the reason for that is because otherwise I was taking off these massive truck tires that probably were going to squish me in our little shed. And that's a man chore. So he just needed to get them out for me. Okay. And there's other little man chores that like there's a giant log. I can't pick it up. You need to pick it up and move it for me, please. Right? So these are our agreements. The other one that we agreed to because of the reason he's staying here was that he would put a minimum of $500 a month into a savings account and not spend it on anything unless we agree, we agree to it. Because the reason he was staying here is to save for a home. $500 a month only gives him $6,000 a year. He needs to come up with $20,000 in order for me to match him the $20,000 for him to be able to afford to buy a house. So in that, I've taught him a lot of things and that led to additional financial smart intelligence. So now this kid who has only been working for six months actually has over $6,000 in that account already. And the reason for that is because he realizes when he goes on breakup, he may not get EI or he may have some things that slide down and he needs this money. And again, we talked about it. He said, what if I have to spend that money? I was like, then let's have a conversation. But let's have a conversation to make sure we're spending that money on something intelligent. So he actually had, if you can believe this, Lynn, he had $10,000 in that account. He just spent um, $4,200 or something like that buying him and his girlfriend a trip to Cuba for 10 days. But that was agreed upon because he already has more than we agreed to in that bank account. Then I said, what are you going to do about this? Because I do have concerns about how are we going to get to this $20,000? And he said, let's adjust our agreement because my plan is by this time next year, I will have that $20,000 in my bank account because him and his best friend both plan on having that $20,000 each because his best friend's mom has agreed to do the same as me and match. And they want to buy a house together. And they're going to do all the legal agreements and everything. So I hear your guys' opinions because I had some of them too. Um, but they have now this, this new plan where the two of them are keeping each other accountable and trying to have by February, March of next year, $20,000 in their savings account for them to be able to move forward and looking for and buying a house. Um, the other one is he has a big dog. And I mean a big dog. <laughs> And his dog is very puppyish and he stinks like a big dog and I'm a clean freak. I am. I'm not going to bullshit about that. His dog is not allowed in my house unless we have agreed on it. Because I don't want you were here. The dog came in the house when we were away. And when we came back in the house, the house stunk like dog. The couch reeked like dog. And I was like, oh, I'm such a clean freak. This is not happening. So we made this agreement. Respect all of the above agreements was part of the agreement. I'm not even joking. It's so important. And then our other one was no name calling because Caden has a tendency, well, my son has a tendency when he gets angry to say things he doesn't necessarily mean or call me a bitch or whatever. You're just being a bitch or you're just being a C word or whatever it is. And so then our final agreement is that the consequences of not following the agreement is that your trailer is unplugged and you are moving from my house within 24 hours. And that is the last piece of creating agreements. What's your consequence? Now, yeah. not as a dictator, like how we started the conversation, but like, 
if we cannot come to an agreement on our agreements, then what does that mean for us? And so very clearly, like the other piece is, which you and I had to spend some time talking about, is you can't just throw that out like it's not going to happen. If he doesn't yeah. stick to the agreements, he needs to have his trailer unplugged and he needs to leave within 24 hours because he is a fucking adult and he can figure it out. Yes. Right? Same with partners. Yes. Like to say, okay, well, if you don't do this, then we're going to break up, but then they don't do it. And then you don't break up. Now, like what even was the point of it? Yes. That was a, a lot of wasted time. So being clear on what that consequence is and not holding it over somebody like, if you don't do this, I'm going to leave you. Yes. It's like, if we can't come to an agreement and neither of us can stick to our agreements and this is it, and then that was helpful for me in my last relationship. Honesty was a key, a key agreement and my partner kept being dishonest. And yeah. one of the things that I said was like, I knew that he was being dishonest from a place of his own shit. It wasn't me. But at the same time, I was like, after the ninth time, the ninth time, even lying about the same thing over and over again, I was like, dude, we're done. Yeah. And we were. Well, and that's why in your agreements, your consequence needs to be severe for you both, but it needs to be something you know you can commit to. And that was the right. conversation you had with me was, can you commit to this though? Because I know how much it hurts you to have to make your kids suffer. And I was like, Ooh, I don't really have much choice, do I? And you were like, I don't think you do, but what other consequences can you put? And what consequences can you put that are going to make you feel like these are going to be like that there's an agreement here and I was like I he would have to go like that's the only answer that I have so in your conversations with your partner this is what it looks like and if we can't do this or find an agreement around these agreements right. then we need to end the relationship because it's not serving either of us and we talked about this because even in it I heard you say that in having the consequence you were making your child suffer and I remember us talking about this I'm like you're not making him suffer he's fucking choosing to suffer because he doesn't he because... made an agreement and he's not sticking to it yes he yeah. is choosing to get fucking kicked out of there because that's yes. the agreement yep yeah and I feel like that's like such a key thing here is yeah all I'm doing is then holding up my end of the agreement. Yes. My end of the agreement is if you don't hold up your end of the agreement, here's the consequences. Yes. Now, that being said, I helped my best friend create her agreements with her husband and they needed to do so. They're not entirely following them. Um, she has a tendency to put herself last because she's mom and that's her her limited belief on, on what she's supposed to do. Um, but what we had agreed to when we wrote up the agreements is that when he's not living up to his part or she's not living up to her, um, his, she's not living up to her part, that they will send the agreement to the other person and say, and, and say nothing, send it to them. If nothing changes, you send it and say, you're clearly not leaving, leading up or doing your part of what's in this agreement. What can you do? Because we have consequences to those agreements, right? And that way they're being made aware of by sending the person the agreements, even if it's a picture of a sheet of paper you have, by sending them a picture of the agreement, you, all you're doing is reminding them to take personal accountability for what they've said. It's not about anything else. 
here's where I feel like you're not living up to what you've said. Now you figure out where you know you're not doing what you said. I don't even need to point out number three, you didn't do. Right. I don't need to point it out. And now really I'm the important to um, any agreements is the fact that you both want to be in this relationship, that you both are there for each other and that success is the goal, like success of your partner is the goal not to hold something over someone so you can fucking break up with them. You might as well just break up and not make the agreements. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I love that. And that's so, where like your consequence, I feel like is, is the interesting part because again, it goes back to, you need to be able to commit to what you're saying. Right. And agree to the consequences as well. Yeah. 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 So any questions that anyone might have, feel free to ask away. And I feel like. Great place to start. Yeah. Awesome. Well, well, thank you everybody for joining us on this week's Spiritual Sisters with Sass. We appreciate all of you guys and the fact that you keep, we also appreciate all your feedback. So keep sending us and commenting and reviewing us on all of the different apps because we are having so much fun doing this. Like we're committed and we're going to keep going. And I love this. I know Lynn does too. We talk about this all the time. So thank you for joining us and we'll see you guys next week. Yep. Thanks everyone. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this spirited journey today. We hope you enjoyed diving into the world of self-improvement with us. Two sisters who found their own unique paths. Remember, life is a tapestry of experiences and it's how we embrace them that makes all the difference. So whether you're on your yoga mat, exploring mindfulness, or simply navigating life's twists and turns, always keep that spirit and sass alive. We are Kalin and Nerdy Lockoff, and we're here to remind you that happiness and abundance are within reach. Stay connected with us on social media and keep those questions and stories coming. We love hearing from you. Until next time, beautiful souls, keep doing the work, keep sharing your experiences, and keep living a life that's authentically you. And never forget to add a little extra sass to your day. Spirit and sass, always. Thank <laughs> you.